Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's Brendan Escott sitting in for Bob Stoffer today. Bob is flying with the team to Philadelphia. As they get set to uh, come out of their bye week. And they're taking on a team that, in all likelihood, is the hottest in the National Hockey League right now. And to talk about that, we're going to bring aboard to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Well, you know what? We should probably we should probably mention that this is all brought to you by Digitex, shouldn't we? Before we head off to the hotline. Uh, PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software, and now Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan, saving your company money. All your devices managed at digitex.ca. All right, without further ado, we're bringing aboard uh, Bill Meltzer. He writes for uh, flyers.nhl.com, and he is also on Flyers Radio 24-7. Bill, appreciate you taking the time. How's it going? I'm doing well, Brandon. How are you? Uh, we're doing good here. It's terrible weather, but I think you guys are experiencing the exact same thing out east, so can't talk too much about that. Listen, Bill, it's it's been a, a roller coaster season for the Flyers this year, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, it's been uh, more more downs than ups. Um, Flyers in recent years anyway have been kind of a streaky team, and, you know, it's, it's not uncharacteristic for the team to, to go into a losing spell and then, you know, win a bunch of games in a row. I, I think this time around is a little bit different just because of the number of young players are stepping up. But, I mean, Flyers went uh, 0-6-2 right after Christmas, and now they've, they've won six in a row and seven of the last eight. So they certainly are you know, a hot team right now. So when you look at that roster on paper, it's that's a good group, and it's got great leadership, and the defense core is just ripe with young talent. I think goaltending, you can say for quite some time now, has been an issue. But in your mind, Bill, what what is the reason that this team has not lived up to expectations this season? Well, I think the number one thing, and you just touched on it, was the lack of goaltending stability. Uh, Brian Elliott has missed most of the season due to injuries. Uh, Michael Neubreth has missed most of the last several seasons due to injuries. Most of his, you know, much of his career is with injury plague. So those two guys in and out, and, and you know, guys not playing particularly well until Carter Hart was recalled from the American Hockey League, and it's provided some stability. But I, I think goaltending is number one. Number two reason would be uh, that uh, the number one and number two defensemen on the team coming into this season, Ivan Provorov, Shane Gosper. Neither guy had a very strong first half of the season. Both guys struggled for actually for a large part of it, um, and those are those are crucial minutes, particularly particularly the Provorov. I mean, the Flyers thought Provorov was going to take a jump to the next level, possibly be a, a Norris Trophy kind of defenseman this year, and it hadn't happened until very recently. I think he's had a good stretch of games here, and I think the third thing you can point to is specialty team. Um, you know, the Flyers have struggled on on the PK for a number of years here, so that's not new. But, I mean, the Flyers, year in and year out, were a 20% team or thereabouts on the power play. Some years up in the top five, top six. And this year, the Flyers are at the bottom of the league on the power play. And that's been that's been kind of a mystifying issue. That's the one thing that nobody 
and I really expect it to happen. And, and you know, those things have kind of turned around to some degree in, in, in the recent games, and that's why you've seen the turnaround. So coinciding with some of this turnaround has has undoubtedly been the goaltending of Carter Hart, as you mentioned, and since he's come up, he's a Sherwood Park kid, so he's right, uh, right across the way here from Edmonton, and I would say to this point, exceeding expectations, just given that he's so young. Everybody knew the ceiling was there, but for him to be reaching it this early, I'm curious, as somebody who's followed the team like you have, Bill, was there a little bit of apprehension when they when they brought the prize prospect up at such a young age, especially as a goaltender? Oh, well, yeah. Certainly, I, I certainly. It's uh, you know when Ron Hexel was the general manager here, I think that the taxi was, was uh, pretty adamant about not wanting to see Carter come up. And Carter, I think, needed needed a partial season at least in the American Hockey League. He struggled for the first, I'd say, about the first month to six weeks of the season in Lehigh Valley with the Phantoms. Um, and then he, he put up a, a solid run of games leading up to his call up. And other than other than the game in part uh, of the game in Carolina where he got pulled and he. He struggled with a couple of goals he would have liked to head back. Other than that, game in and game out, he's been really sound. I mean, with Carter, he, he, there's, there's two components of it, right? One is one of the talent side. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's very good positionally, just a very smart goaltender. The other part of it is his mental toughness and maturity, which is unlike any 20-year-old goalie I've seen. I mean, he's, he is, uh, he, for, all practical, for all practical purposes, the youngest goaltender in Flyers history. They had a couple of young goalies who, who came up at 19, but none who have, none who stayed up for any kind of sustained stretch. So it's, you know, league wide, you don't see a lot of 20-year-old goalies anyway. Um, he's he's far ahead of your average 20-year-old goalie. He looks to be the real deal. Chatting right now with uh, Bill Meltzer out of Philadelphia. He writes for flyers.nhl.com and he appears on Flyers Radio 24-7. One more question about uh, Carter Hart, and that is, do you think that he's played himself into the starting role for the rest of the season if slash when some of the other guys start coming back from injury? Yeah, I think that that for the rest of the season you're going to see Carter Hart play a lot. Uh, The interesting thing is going to be whether the Flyers are going to carry three goaltenders um, they have been for a little while. Right now, Mike McKenna, the Flyers picked up off waivers from Vancouver. Uh, he's on a conditioning stint in the American League. Uh, when Brian Elliott is cleared to play, uh, it'll be interesting to see You know, if they, the Flyers do carry three for the rest of the year. I don't know how they're going to manage the playing time, getting Elliott a little bit of work. He's unrestricted at the end of this year. Um, Anthony Stollars just, just came back off of injured reserve, and he was tremendous in that game at uh, Madison Square Garden. 38 save shutout of the Rangers. So they're going to want to take a look at him as well. But I think, I think at least for the rest of this season, unless he falters for some reason, uh, yeah, I think Carter Hart is their number one goalie for now. Sure. So speaking of having some assets to play with there uh, in goal and elsewhere, trade deadline is coming up. I think everybody knows how well documented it is that Wayne Simmons might be on the move with his expiring contract. Are you looking at this team with the run that they've gone on? Uh, where, where are you putting them in terms of a buyer or a seller as, as the deadline approaches? Yeah, Chuck, uh, Chuck Fletcher actually discussed that a little bit on Monday where he expects to be both a buyer and a seller. I, I think he's you know, and he raised the point that in order to get better for next year, we think some of that has to start this season. They're not in any kind of, you know, they're not in the rental market. They're not looking at anybody on an expiring deal. You know, if they could make a deal for themselves similar to the one that Pittsburgh made today, I mean, they would they would do that certainly. Um, you know, that that kind of trade where I I think be of interest to the Flyers. I think they're looking more in terms of you know in terms of next season. If that means you're bringing in some assets, trading a Simmons, trading a. Uh, Michael Roffel, who I think could help the team on the penalty kill, 
or uh, down the stretch in, in the playoffs, then, then then you maybe acquire some assets and then package some of those assets this summer around around the draft to uh, you know bring in NHL roster talent. But I think that uh, I think closer to the seller mode. But I but I do think that uh, you might see an NHL level addition or two by, by February 25th. Chatting right now with Bill Meltzer from Flyers.NHL.com and Flyers Radio 24-7. It's Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer here on Oilers Now. Uh, Bill, you guys and the Philadelphia organization, they had the change over at the general manager position midseason as well. The Oilers obviously just doing the same thing. Um, with your eyes on the, on the Flyers, I'm just curious if you saw any sort of a difference in the culture of the team, the way the guys were uh, after that change was made, just as something that maybe the fans can look at for the Oilers and, and see what it's like with that midseason change. Well, I, I do think that uh, I do think that Chuck Fletcher's management style is very different from from Ron. Um, you know, Ron ran a very insulated uh, front office. Ron had his, his couple of people who he, he kept close to him, and and that was, it was that circle was was very much in control of the organization, the way things were messaged, and those kind of things. He was very loyal to uh, to Dave Haxall's head coach. I think we obviously had a change behind the bench here as well uh chuck is chuck is a different style you know i uh, chuck is uh you know chuck uh brought in brent flair from uh from minnesota so it was an assistant general manager we trusted uh you know unfortunately chris Pryor, who did a tremendous job here in philadelphia was kind of collateral damage in the whole in, in the whole changeover and and chris did a tremendous job you said in, in his own right you know, and that, that tends to happen. I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Chuck tries to put his imprint on the team as to uh, you know who the next head coach will be. Will will it be Scott Gordon? Will it be somebody else who he brings in this, this summer? And uh, just continuing, maybe doing a little reshaping in the scouting department. That tends to happen whenever there's a changeover in the front office. But but what inevitably happens is that when there is a, a new GM in place, you know they put their own imprint on it. And, and we're just seeing the beginning stages of that here in Philadelphia. All right, and finally, one more for you, Bill, here before we let you go, and that is just as an outsider and watching, um, you know, somebody like yourself who was involved in another underperforming team and watching what had gone on in Edmonton, I imagine that was quite well uh, documented across the league. Just what is it, what was your outsider's take on, on the orange and blue up here? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, it's it, you look at a team with the, with the starting points they have, you know, the, the nucleus that's in place, and when, when Hitch came aboard, you know, and, and the team had that little bit of a surge when, when Hitch first came aboard, I thought, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe the team is back on track. Maybe, uh, you know, the, the level of structure that Hitch can implement, maybe that would be, you know, that would get the team to another level. Uh, you know, unfortunately, guys have continued to underachieve, and, and the team's back on the outside looking in. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I guess I wasn't surprised when the, when the GM change came down. But the, the way that everything kind of unfolded in those last few days, I mean, I, I think everybody in the league was kind of, you know, kind of amazed as to how, as to how all that went down, some of, the, some of the moves that took place leading into the final decision. But I don't think anybody was surprised at the final outcome. All right, Bill. And uh, I've been asking everybody on the show all day long, your Super Bowl pick. I don't know if you're a football guy or not, but you've got to have a pick. <laughs> well, uh, I... My head tells me that, uh, you know, I think the Patriots are going to win. I mean, I, I tend to like their, even though the Patriots are fashioning themselves underdogs, uh, you know, <laughs> I think the real underdog here is the Rams. But my heart tells me to root for the Rams, but I think the Patriots will win. There you go. Well, the Eagles took it down last year. I don't see the Patriots losing two in a row. Thank you so much for your time, Bill, and uh, hopefully we chat soon. My pleasure. Anytime.
All right. That is Bill Meltzer. He's, uh, he follows the Flyers, writes for them for uh, flyers.nhl.com, as well as Flyers Radio 24-7. All right. It is 12, or excuse me, one seventeen now as the show continues to fly by. We're going to step aside. We will be back with Sportsnet's Eric Ingles to talk about the other matinee game coming up between the Oilers and the Canadians. That one's on Sunday. It's Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. It's Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer today. Host and Oilers now. Keep the text coming in at 630-630 on the Heartland Ford text line with over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory. They are one of the largest volume Ford dealers in Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford. We'll also tell you that some guests on the show receive gift cards to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, downtown Northside and Sherwood Park. All right, you know it's a jam-packed show, so we're going to get right back to it on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. We bring aboard from Sportsnet and uh, covering the Montreal Canadiens for Sportsnet is Eric Engels. Eric, appreciate your time today. Yeah, always a pleasure. All right, so let's let's just get right to it and talk about Montreal's season to date. I looked at that roster. I am very surprised to see where they are in the standings. Are you? Uh, perhaps less so, but maybe that's the benefit of working in this market and being there from day one when training camp got started and. You know, what I saw at that time was a team that obviously with a lot of turnover, uh, with not that much turnover, I should say, over the summer, uh, was quite motivated to prove that, you know, the, the embarrassing 28th place finish in the standings a year ago was potentially an anomaly. Uh, I think one thing's for sure, they're more skilled than any of us, including myself, would have given them credit for it. Um, but the main reason that they've been successful this year is they've really bought into what Claude Julien uh, brought to the table from day one of training camp, and you know I had them. I was one of our 16 insiders pulled before the end, before the uh, start of the year as as the surprise team of the National Hockey League. I was the only one who had them as that. But I really, you know, the one thing that has surprised me is that they've been able to sustain their level of play throughout the first 51 games. You you look at that that whole segment, uh, you know, two thirds of the season, and there's probably three or four games they've played where the effort was substandard. So um, I'm not necessarily shocked, but I'm definitely impressed. When you look at the team, I don't see a tremendous amount of homegrown depth in terms of where they've been just drafting guys in the higher rounds. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to have worked out. And I'll ask you, and as somebody who's followed the team for quite some time now, uh, is that do you think it's a player development thing that was going on for quite some time? Or perhaps the drafting process wasn't as successful as you guys had hoped? Yeah, I think it's number one thing. It's usually a combination of the two. And, um, you know, for sure development was an issue for a while, particularly in the last five years leading up to this one or six years where Sylvain Lefebvre was coaching an AHL team that made the playoffs only once and was swept out the one year they made it. I mean, uh, that's not good for the development of your prospects. Uh, secondly, you know, they had a number of first-round picks that fell short of where they were expected to be and were traded for whatever reason. Uh, you know, Jared Tenorti comes to mind as a guy who's brought up often. You know, the thing about Jared Tenorti is he was drafted to play in a different NHL, and all of a sudden things change quite rapidly from there. And are the Canadians guilty for not seeing that change coming? Yeah, you could say that. I mean, there's other players, other examples that are that are like Tenorti. Maybe Jared Cowan is a good example was drafted by Ottawa as, as a guy who was drafted to play in a different league and things changed so quickly. But 
you know, Tenorti was also a great player at the junior level, and the expectation was he was going to be a pretty good one at, at this one. So, you know, they made some mistakes as far as drafting was concerned. You know, they also drafted from a position that was not exactly excellent in the first round. You know, 25th, 26th overall, getting guys like Mike McCarron and, and uh, Nikita Sherback, who just unfortunately for them and for the organization didn't work out. Um, but you look at the work that Trevor Timmons did outside of the first round and some of the guys that they brought in and have cultivated in, the, in their roster, you know, looking at two specifically, and Brendan Gallagher, a fifth-round pick, and Victor Mete, a fourth-round pick. You know, there's been some good work done, and certainly the last two years, what they've been able to do at the draft has been nothing short of uh, exceptional, according to most people who evaluate those things. And I think, you know, there may not be that bright of a future when you look up and down their AHL roster right now, but all the prospects they have coming at the junior level and playing in Europe are uh, not far off and really some of the best ones in the league. Chatting right now with Eric Engels. He works for Sportsnet covering the Montreal Canadiens. Eric, uh, Jesperi Kokaniemi is somebody that I don't know a lot of people were convinced was going to crack the league this year, and he has stuck around and been a contributing factor. What do you like about his game? Hockey sense through the roof. And, uh, you know, I think all scouts covet different things and players, and, uh, you know, all of them obviously have speed on their minds when they're looking at the players that they, they want to draft and players they want to develop, and whether it's on the pro side. But, you know, for me in particular, what I've always coveted is being a fan of the game of hockey and a reporter for 12 years is hockey sense. Because I believe if you have that, you can overcome maybe some of the other deficiencies that you might have in your game. You know, is Kakaniemi the fastest player I've ever seen? No. Nope. Uh, is he the strongest? He's, he's going to get only stronger from here. I mean, you guys have a good example in Ryan Nugent Hopkins, what he looked like when he was drafted and what he looks like now. Um, he he has certainly not had an issue physically um, against some some of the the biggest and strongest players in the NHL through the first 51 games of the season. But man, his hockey sense is just through the roof. He more often than not makes the right play with the puck and without it, he's very solid in the defensive zone. He's been sheltered well by Claude Julien, uh, starting roughly 60 percent of his shifts in the offensive zone, which is obviously smart to keep his confidence intact. Uh, but by the same, you know, at the same time, they haven't been shy about putting him out in the last minute of a period or having him start in the defensive zone and take a face-off. Uh, he's only gotten better in that department. He's only going to get better in general as a player. And uh, everyone in Montreal, uh, the coaching staff, the general manager, the scouts, uh, the development people, the media, the fans, I think everyone is impressed with this kid. He's going to be a really excellent hockey player. I think a lot of people are looking at this team with, uh, you know, the the standard set of fan eyes, and they're saying Carey Price is having a bounce-back year and Max Domi has far exceeded uh, expectations when he came over from Arizona. What can you say about those two and what they've meant to the success of the Canadians this year? Well, I'll start with the goalie, you know, up until... Up until November, uh, up until December, really, he wasn't really dependent on much to win games, and he had a very shaky November, which, you know, dates to right around where he said he suffered an injury that he's been playing with ever since. Uh, but man, October he was he was pretty good, nine fifteen save percentage, six two and two record for the Canadians, and he was in there for a lot of those wins. And this, since December first. Uh, 
there you can't find two goalies in the league who have better numbers uh, across the board and all the relevant goaltending statistics. So uh, bounce back, absolutely. To see him playing the way he has most recently when the Canadians have needed him to win uh, them games for for, for them, uh, he's just been incredible. Domi, you know, I was also among the, the very few that thought that the Canadians won that deal outright when they made it for Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, you know, my belief had everything to do with what I was saying before about hockey sense and also the fact that Max Domi growing up in a market like Toronto would have a pretty good sense of what was ahead of him. One of the best things uh, around that time that I that I did and I'm happy about is I called Shane Dome uh, on the day that, that Domi was traded to Montreal and I said, what, what led to this guy struggling in Arizona and why, for whatever reason, would you think that he might turn it around in Montreal? And Doan uh, was effusive in his praise for, for Domi's character and how hard he works and how much work he does for his line mates, but also really felt that he would succeed and that, you know, at 222 games played in, in NHL experience prior to coming to Montreal, he was right on the cusp of figuring out everything that goes into being a pro and that in Arizona, you know, maybe he took his foot off the gas a little bit in a market that was a little quieter and he had already... It, much like many players before him, you know, you get to the National Hockey League, you have a great rookie year, and then all of a sudden you think you can breathe for a second, and boom, that's when uh, that's when reality strikes. So to see what he's done so far, I'm not sure anybody would have anticipated 44 points in 51 games. And for the most part of the season, he's been over a point a game until he hit a little recent rough patch, and so did the team in scoring. But he's uh, he's come as advertising uh, as, as advertised and been... Uh, even better as we've moved along so uh, i'm impressed all right eric we are uh, at the news break right now in 10 seconds or less who are you picking in the super bowl this year gotta go with the patriots experience but i'm far from the, the biggest football fan or expert so maybe my pick doesn't count all that much well everybody else that i've asked agrees with you thank you so much for your time eric we'll connect again soon no problem. Take care. All right, cheers. All right. We are late. We are off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We will come back with uh, Saskatoon Blades forward Kirby Doc when we return. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.